And welcome back to another episode of A Record of My Father. Today, we're going to be talking about fear. What do you think about fear? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know if I have any, like, order of the objects or the things that have, like, frightened me in a major way. And what I've done or how I've dealt with them. Some of them I've dealt with well. Some of them I've dealt with poorly. You know, whatever the case. You know, we all, we see something that frightens us and we don't know how to deal with it. You know, I mean, there's, there's certain things that are huge in my life that, that were the most fearful. Like I feel like, you know, when I look at my mother, I think like, wow, I could have done better. You mean like Alzheimer's, right? Yeah. Yeah. You could have. And, 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 and I I don't know if that's fear or that's failure, but it's not really fear. So ah, we won't go there. Let's go into fear. Fear of failure is a thing. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Being afraid I, I of things when, that you've done wrong. When I wrong, think about yeah. fear, specific instances of fear were, uh, once again, I'm going to relate a business thing. Of course you are. Right. <laughs> and I can, I, can, I can do just so many that I remember when we first started in business, uh, we had to, I had to go to New York. Uh, there was this huge show or it's like a, where all the librarians that had all the budget money all got together in a room and it was called a, you know, they had a soiree and I went up there and I didn't know anybody and I was by myself and I spent like, you know, a couple hundred bucks to get there. A hotel was a couple hundred bucks and I walked into a room. I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anybody there and I had no wing person. So I didn't have anybody else to look to. And there were 200 people in the room and they're probably representing, you know, 30, $50 million in revenue. And, and we were just starting. And I was more nervous than I've ever been because I never just walked up to, you know, middle-aged women, which most of them were, or early-aged women that were significantly smarter than me and started talking to them about what their work was and saying that I could help them with it. And that was an incredible thing to do. It was very, very, very hard. But I look Why do you my, say women? Why isn't it? What women, well, because women it's and librarians. Them. And librarians are probably like, I mean, when you think about it, they're like 70% female. Uh, most, the women were like, they're brilliant. They've gotten master's degrees upon master's degrees and law degrees. And they're like 10 times smarter than you when you walk in to talk to them. And so I'm, and I'm trying to sell them a service that I'm going to help them with. And it's like, wow. You know, so that, that was it. And, and mine was more logistics than it was actual. So fear of rejection is what you're getting at. Fear right. of rejection. And, I, and, and, and I didn't deal with that on any massive scale. And that night I dealt with it in a way bigger way than I ever dealt. Mm. Because many people said basically, you know, piss off and, but there were a few. It's kind of what you just said about your mom. How you, yeah. It was a fear of failure. Yeah. Fear of failure in your mind. No, but, exactly. Um, if you have a fear of failure, exactly. you're never going to succeed. I mean, and, and that was a fear. But I mean, there's 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 many other fears. I remember uh, uh, I was a scuba diver. And my brother, what do you call it? Uh, how do you say it when someone teaches you how to scuba dive? But they don't. Scuba diving teacher. Yeah. But they don't, they don't follow any of the rules. Um, freelance <laughs> scuba yeah. diver teacher is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's it. And and 
he, I mean, he bought all my stuff through Scuba Diver, Scuba Diver magazine. That which, just sounds bad. Yeah, but you're supposed to have a card that shows that you're certified, and I wasn't. And he bought all my stuff, and I was like 13, and so I learned how to scuba dive early. And he would take me with him, with him, and he would say, "Okay, we're gonna go in the water. Put all this shit on. Uh, don't if your ears hurt, hold your nose and blow it. Don't go too deep." Which I don't know what that meant because I didn't have a depth gauge. <laughs> Just don't go too deep. Yeah, well, you know, I go to the bottom, and if the bottom was deep, I was in trouble. It just didn't go to the bottom. Yeah, well, until I did do that, and that was a mistake. But yeah. that's another story. What was the Any, fear? Anyway, the the fear, the fear was, so I go through all this, and and my brother and I are at Willow Springs in Pennsylvania, and I dive there, and I've been diving for probably five years at this point. I've probably done when you're thirteen. No, by by the time I was eighteen. 20 dies, 30 dies. So you're not like 13, you're 18. Not anymore. I started out at 13. I was, uh, I was okay. giving you the idea of where I came from and how I learned this and how everything was mail order. you were learning now. He was, got it. He yeah. bought the air. I didn't have a card. I went to Willow Springs. We were diving there and we're, we're, we're diving at about 50 feet. We go into a boat. We dive through the boat. We come up and I, and when I'm rising, something pops in my nose and I didn't know what it was. And about 10 feet, it's all green. And I didn't know that 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 colors don't go too deep. So by the time I get to the surface, green is now red. And I and I take my mask off and blood flows over the top of my head. And a bunch of people freak out. And my brother's like, you need to get certified. You need to get certified. This is no longer safe. So I go to get certified. And th this is the buildup to the certification. And this is the buildup to the fear. I go through the certification class. It's like 10 weeks and I do all the pool stuff and I do everything. And I do the first dive on the first day and everything's fine. And the guy takes my tank and all that stuff. And I didn't have a pull rod. I had a pull rod, but he said, you need a pressure gauge. And I said, he said he would get me one. Uh, uh, and he would also, uh, he would get me a pressure gauge. He comes back. He doesn't have a pressure. He didn't give me a pressure gauge. And he gave me a hot fill. And if anybody that scuba dives knows what a hot fill is, is it's like they fill the tanks really rapidly. So there's a lot less oxygen when it cools off in the tank when it cools off. So I, I hop in, we we're doing our little things. We sit on the ground and, you know, we go down to 10 feet and we do a couple things here and there. And we're in a quarry and we're in uh, Martinsburg, West Virginia. And we drop down to 45 feet. And I'm with my buddy, you know, you have this, you know, buddy who's, this is his second time dive. And I probably dove 50, 40 times at this point. And anyway, we start going through the tunnel and there is a corridor that goes from one quarry to the next. It is maybe half a football field high, a third of a football field wide. I, I, a football field? Yeah, or I refuse to use feet or meters or anything like that do you, you have your own you should have your own country where you have your own <laughs> measurement system and it's just going to be based on football fields right he's one tenth of a football field tall do you know that <laughs> his feet are about a one one hundredth of a football, football field. field yeah that's a shoe size and they'll you say like on the that? inside of the shoe one one hundredth of a football field that's what it'll say so why why you have a problem with that I don't see what the problem is. No, no, I don't. It makes okay. a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. <laughs> yes, it does. Anyway, 
I'm I I I drop down to 40, 45 feet. I start going through the tunnel with this guy. We get about halfway through. And then if you've ever run out of air in a tank, it's it it doesn't happen like automatically you stop breathing. It just it slows down and less and less. And you have to you have to really suck the air out of the tube. Like you're breathing through a straw. Right. right. Like you're breathing through a straw. And it, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and it's a smaller and smaller straw. And you realize you're running out of air. You know, and I had no pressure gauge. And luckily I had a pull rod in the back for 300 pounds. And but <laughs> I didn't have the pull rod because I, I I'd lost that. And I asked the guy to bring me one. He didn't bring me one. And they said you should put it down so you have the extra air. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I like that safety. So, but I couldn't reach it. So I, I speak to my partner. I'm sort of giving him the signs and everything. And he's smiling like, oh, it's a joke. You're doing a test. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we're, we're 45 feet vertical. We're 60 feet horizontal through a cave. And, and, and I'm running out of air. And I'm, I'm doing the cut throat thing i'm running my hand across my throat like i'm losing my air yeah and i'm looking at him very intensely and i mean the weird thing is is that i wasn't that frightened because all i was saying oh i was thinking to myself if this idiot doesn't get it i'm just gonna unbuckle my tank flip it around and flip the valve down myself and then i'm gonna free and i'm a free uh, uh swim to the surface i'm gonna lose my tank but fuck them they should have not given me a hot fill. And but he looks at me and he finally gets it and he does the circle and he pulls the tank down. I get 350 pounds of air and I go to the surface, I come out, and he is incredibly angry that I ran out of air. What the guy is? The your partner? Yeah. yeah. Why? He was he was just like because he didn't get to go to the quarry. And it, it Are was Are you in a quarry? We were in it, we were in one side of a quarry, but we didn't get to go to the other side of the quarry. The other side of the quarry had no way out. So if I had gotten over there, I mean, the dive oh, instructor like said, oh, my God. He said, if you'd gotten over there, we'd only got you out with airlifting or we had to bring another tank over to you. Oh, well. Yeah. But they would have brought a tank. He was so, mad at you. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. But it was just weird, that whole thing. But I wasn't I wasn't truly frightened. I mean, the things that, that I think about, I mean, that's when I I should have been scared. And I was a little bit scared. But when I think about like the things that just scared me to the bone and you know, this is your, you, everybody has a nine 11 story. I don't know if they all have the story that rattled them. I mean, I had a story that it just rattled me. I, and cause I'm, you know, you, you know how ultra overly stupid confident I am about things and how I'm always right. And all this kind of happy horse shit. Well, yeah, you always think you're right. Yeah, that's right. a pretty common, yeah, pretty common occurrence. No, no, but that's my that's that's my aura. That's the way I run. Narcissism is that what you're saying? Yeah, you that too. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> my aura, my aura is defined by narcissism. <laughs> I don't know if that's a that's a great mm-hmm. characteristic, but it, it is a characteristic, right? No, but it, but but when I think about fear, I mean, one of I mean, there's there's certainly the 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 uh, the uh, uh, thing with my mother, but when I when I when I think about uh, like after nine eleven, it happened on a Tuesday. The whole the it, it was uh, everybody had their thing. We had an office in New York, 
It was on Seven Day Street. It was literally, how do I say this? Half a football field from the second tower. So it was really, really close. We were right behind the building. What was it? The uh, clothing building. I can't remember. We're Seven Day Street. Anyway, and we were on the 15th floor, so we overlooked it. We overlooked the whole space. Uh, That happened. I had 11 salespeople in New York, of which 10 of them left their computers in the office that day. And they they were laptops, which, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, in a fire, in an emergency, you leave everything behind. They they didn't go to work that day. Oh, never mind. No, they just left it overnight. They didn't take it home. I mean, when I go home, I always take my computer with me because it doesn't really matter where I am. That's where I would have to work. Right. But, but, but we don't get into the minutia of people that follow the, in the olden days, you know, we should have just had desktops. It didn't matter. Anyway, uh, it happens. They tell me that we're not going to be able to open the office for six months. Uh, no phone service for three months, four months. And that's like later in the week of 9-11. Uh, the following Monday, I got on a tr- and I went to New York. And I, you know, got a hotel, uh, Midtown, whatever. And I, I uh, went down to uh, 14th Street because like they would not, many of the, many of the stations were not open then. So you would have to like figure out which one to get out on. And I got out on like, I think 30th street or something like that. Or 28th or something like that. And I started walking down and I walked through the streets and it was just the weirdest thing because, you know, it's New York and you're walking down the middle of streets. Cause first I came up to like, they had, they had uh, like fences, like the eight foot tall fences with a barbed wire. And I just kind of cut through those and continued to walk. Just went through them or over to the side, maybe. Yeah. You know, I just went on through and I walked on down and they're like, who are you? Somebody like I, I walked and there's just nobody on the street. And then some firefighter said, what are you doing down here? And I said, I'm going to my building. I have a lease. I'm going to do this. And they're like, oh, okay. And I just continued to walk. And I went down to the lower part of Manhattan and I get, I get down there and it, it was, it was sort of like, I, I guess it, it really wasn't chaos, but it was kind of different, you know? I mean, we saw, I saw, uh, what do you call them? The Humvees and they had the 30 calibers machine guns and they were down by the New York Stock Exchange because this is where our office was right there. And they were on every corner. And they had two guys manning a machine gun in in all the corners. And it was just very different. There weren't a lot of people there. And dystopian I uh, ask, right? I mean, it feels like you're almost living in a dystopia. Yeah. It, not, it was it was very not what you remembered before you went no, there, right? Not at all. But I but I go there and um and then I'm like, how do I get I want to go to this place over here? And they're saying that's the, I, I think it was like the white zone or the double white zone or the double red zone or whatever it was, because they had circles and there were like circles you could travel in. There were circles you were not allowed to go into. And 
And as you got closer and closer, and our building was Seven Day Street, which was literally, you know, a hundred yards from where the towers fell. Our building was our our office was on the fifteenth floor, which overlooked that spot. So I go there and I get in line. There's like there's a bunch of people in line. I I was wearing the uh, I was wearing a business suit. And everybody was casual, which is kind of weird. And then I remember that a car pulled, I mean, a, uh, like a suburban pulled up and there's a bunch of guys in hazmat suits and said, we're going up to the, uh, the double white zone. Uh, is anybody here going? And we got an extra space and I ran over and I said, yeah, I'm going. And they looked at me funny and they're like, ah, hop in. So I hopped in, we drove up there, we drove up to the, drove up to the place and there's, and they get out and they go to the, the non-white zone, the green or whatever it was, the outside of that main area. And I went over and I had to go through another checkpoint. And the next checkpoint I went through, I got in line and literally there's a guy that is wearing the red suit with a gas mask and all that kind of stuff at the desk, letting people through and everybody going through was wearing a full hazmat suit. And there's me. And I I wish to God I had a picture of this stuff because it was just so weird, you know, and I'm sitting there walking in my business suit and I had a briefcase and, and it it just, it, it had to be the most comical thing because they looked at me, everybody looked at me like, what are you doing here? but I had my lease and all that. I want to go and I want to get the computer so we could start our business back up. And so I went through, they let me in and I showed them and I said, my, my, I have a lease with that building there and I want to go there. And they're like, okay, we're not going to go with you. So I went by myself and I walked down the stair. I walked down that road, day street. And on each side, all of the buildings were like, they had huge chains around their doors to lock them with padlocks. And I was like, oh crap, there's no one going to be there. I get to my building and there is, there is a, uh, uh, they, they had already started to clean the building there. Cause remember there's like seven feet of rubble on the roof of all these buildings that had just fallen and come from the trade towers. Well, I went in, I showed him the lease and he was skeptical and he's asking me all these questions that I call my office manager of New York and she talks to him and she gets him to let me in. And he goes, okay, you can go up. And now it's the 15th floor and I'm walking in on the first floor and there's one guy there. It's completely dark. I have a flashlight and I have a face mask, like my little like little N95 mask. Oh, it wasn't like a gas mask? No, no, not not at all. I was not prepared. So I walk up and I walked up, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, 11 floors. And as I'm walking up, it's when you wear leather shoes and they're on concrete, there's a noise that it makes that's like that. It's very weird that, that, that noise that it makes. And that's the only thing you hear as you're walking up. So I get to that, I guess the 10th, 11th floor. And then the pipes rattle. Oh 
my God, that like the air and the pipes come out and it rattled from the top of the building to the bottom of the building. And my back just, I just freaked out. It just, it, it was like the most scary. It was one of the most scariest moments in my life. It just stopped me dead in my tracks because I thought the building was going to fall and I would be stuck in this building and crushed and all that kind of stuff like that. But, you know, I was being scared for no reason. But anyway, and, and also remember there's a, a, there's a clear sheen of dust over everything. So as you walk, you're leaving footprints and only one other pe person had been up before me. And I was the second one on this here. And I could see my, I could see my footprints as I walked up. So it was kind of weird, but, but I said, okay, I'm going to, uh, and I thought for a minute, should I go back down? And then I was saying, oh, wow, if I go back down, I'm going to have to come back. And, it, uh, and, and maybe I did or didn't. And that was my, my recollection to do that, to my realization to, to continue. So I walked up to the 15th floor, I go to the office, I open it up and I'm literally walking around on tiptoes in the office. Cause I'm worried the building's going to fall. That's how that I was just so frightened that the, the, the building was going to crumble because it was an old building and it wouldn't have been out of the thing. And, you know, and everybody talked about all these other things that were like, oh, did they, was there gas? Was there this? Was there, there was all these speculation about all this other horror stuff that could have happened, but it didn't. And we weirdly had a balcony that you could go out on, which overlooked the World Trade Tower, which was no longer there. And I went out there, I opened up the door, and when I opened it, the, the building kind of made a funny noise, which, oh my gosh, it, it just freaked me out again, but I took pictures and then I came back in, I grabbed everybody's computer. There were like eight or nine computers and, uh, how did I carry them down? Oh yeah. I had a, uh, I found a cart at somebody's desk and I put all the computers on the desk and there was, I think there was at least nine. And I noticed that everybody had a, uh, airplane bottle of rum. Jamaican rum on their desktop. And so I grabbed that from everybody's desktop and I put it in the pouch and I took that too. And I took it all down and I went down to the bottom. I went out the door, came around, and then I called uh, the office manager Joyce and I said, let's do lunch tomorrow. And I can give everybody their computers. And they all came and they all shared their stories and we all had a toast of rum and they were like, and I think to this day that that showed them that I cared. I mean, I heard stories. I had one, one of my employees was there when it happened, when the towers fell and he ran and he pushed somebody off to the side when the, when the, when all the dust came down and right, like when it first fell down and he pulled them into a building to, I guess, save them from the dust or something, you know, but it was a, it was a harrowing, but, it, but, but, you know, it's like it, nothing happened. But the fear from that was huge. I mean, that was much, much, much more than the diving incident. You know, when I think about fear, that was huge. I mean, I've had other fearful incidents. 
What about you? What kind of fears do you that you've come you've you've faced? I've never been scared in my entire life. Monkey people. No, I definitely have. Yeah. But um I don't know. I always had a, a phobia of the dark for some reason, even like going into like nineteen years old. I don't know. I just uh the horrified. I'm just I don't know what it is. I, it's just a phobia. And all phobias come from somewhere, right? They come from an experience. But in my mind, I can't I can't think of one singular moment that caused this phobia, right? I don't know. I don't have it really now anymore, but um it was it was pretty prevalent for a long time. I don't know. I don't know. There was really nothing that channeled it. It was just I guess the natural arising of it and i always wondered if um we carry things into adulthood that we were scared of when we were kids well we definitely do but at the same time like there's that realization that you still want to be a kid you still want to have a young mind and maybe we take our phobias with us because we still want to be young i don't know i think that's an interesting concept it's 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 funny that you mentioned when you were young because when we first moved into our house in Randall Drive. Uh, we had we'd been flooded out of uh, what was it, uh, Arlandria in Alexandria, and my mom got a little bit of money from Salvation Army and the others, and who I just love to this day. And she was able to put a down payment on a new place, and she moved there. And and what she did, yeah, she got us a place. And people said, oh, you should live here. You should live here. Uh, we ended up, we should live in Dell City, but we, we, we couldn't. And then so uh, we couldn't, she couldn't afford that because she was worried about the payments. But we moved to Woodbridge. We stayed there. My sister and I were in a room. Yeah. We stayed upstairs. There was a, there was, there was a, two-bedroom house with a whole bunch a couple other rooms that my brothers lived in and i was in the room with my sister what what we did is i remember being asleep uh probably two maybe a weekend two weeks in when we were at this house and my sister was in the room and we had somebody walk into our room at around midnight. And he had a white glow, a clear glow. And I mean, it kind of looked like, uh, uh, gosh, I can't, I, I want to say, uh, uh, who is it that had the white hair, the white beard, the white mustache that was a singer? Leon Russell. Oh God, yes, man. Looked, how did I get that? I he knew that. Just like Leon Russell, and he walked in, and he walked over to my sister's, and we were still in cribs at that point. This would have been '66, and he looks over her, and I was like freaked out. He was going to hurt my sister, and he turns around, he walks over to mine, and he looks at me, and I put the covers over my head, and. Until I was, I think, 16, I slept with the covers over my head. Wow. that's Because I was so freaked out by that. And and guess what? The covers saved me for some reason. I put the covers over my head, 
and it and it and it disappeared. And I don't know. It displaces you from the world. That's and I what it asked does. her. I asked my sister if that was like some imaginary crap that I had made up, and she goes, "No, I remember that guy. She saw him too." So if two people saw it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a memory. Always, that's not just I'm a part. Like weird when people, you know, and it's like he had a big beard, he had a big white hat, he he came in, he kind of glowed. But I, I, you know, I don't know the whole glow shit. You know, maybe that was an exaggeration or a mindset in my mind. But he came into our room. He walked in. <laughs> excuse me. He looked at her, and then he came over and he put his hands on her side of the crib, and then he turned around and came over to mine, and he put his hands on the crib there and looked at me, and that's when I like, I pulled the, I pulled the covers over my head, and that was that was like that was another time of huge, huge fear. He just put his hands on that. He didn't. He just put his hands on the edge of the crib. So it was a crib. How old were you? Uh, I would have been six, maybe. Oh, so you had a crib when you were six. Oh yeah. Well, we didn't have beds. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were. Crib's an investment too. No, uh, people gave you a crib, and that's what you slept in until someone gave you a bed. Until you outgrew it, yeah. Right, and I was already outgrowing it, but that's what we had. Different story, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like hey. You sleep where you have, and I had a little two-inch mattress and slept on that. And Gosh. It didn't matter, you know, that kind of stuff. You think about that. Yeah, I could see why you have had a phobia of that. That's crazy. Yeah, and that just... That would, that would rattle me. Would yeah, rattle it rattled me. me. And this is the kind of thing, because I'm trying to tell stories that rattled me. And it's like very few things i mean i've been in situations like when we were talking earlier about the diving incident when i was in the middle of of you know i'm literally you know 50 yards into this tunnel 45 feet down i'm running out of air and i wasn't worried yeah and that's just like and i i look back on that time and i'm going like i was not I was not bothered by that at all. I, cause I could, I could say, well, I'm going to flip this around. I'm going to do this. And if there's no air on the tank, I'm just going to free dive. All, I'm going to free swim all the way to the surface. Problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like that way. You can't really solve supernatural problems though, or what you think are but supernatural. But the rattling pipes. Oh, Physicality. Yeah. That's something I that you'll never be able you. to overcome as things that are out of your control. Yeah, that was like, I thought the whole building was going to come down and they were all talking about that when I went there, they hadn't they hadn't had engineers look at the building to see which buildings were stable around there. So there was a worry that all those other buildings were going to fall or they were, and, and there were literally the rubble on the roofs of all these buildings was as much as it could carry. It was like, yeah. you know, it was, you know, eight feet of rubble from the world tra trade. So there was a concern and, you know, those kind of things. So you're walking, <laughs> somehow me walking tiptoes made a difference in my mind. Yeah. But, it, 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 you know, eh, I don't know. You try to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to wrap this week's episode. I think we've yeah. got a lot of good stories, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, follow our Instagram account at a record of my father podcast, and uh, subscribe to our uh, mail service on uh, what is it? A record of my father dot com. Yeah. See you guys later. We're See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. You got anything to say? Party on. <laughs>